Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning. I'm Susie Jones in for Blois Olson this week on the Sunday Take. Happy to have you with us. Blois will be back next week. But I'm happy to be with you for another hour here. And we are going to talk this first half hour about what the situation is facing Minnesota EMS, emergency medical services, ambulances, transportation, funding, lack of staff. And we have invited to the program Mike Juntinen. He is the president-elect of the Minnesota Ambulance Association. And before we jump into the problem, if you're listening and you live outstate or you're in a situation that maybe this has affected you, 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226. You can also call that number if you want to jump in as well. Let's bring Mike onto the show. Mike, thanks for popping on with us on this Sunday morning. Good morning, Susie. Thanks for having me. So this is a topic that we've seen in the news uh the situation facing ambulance drivers and medics and other personnel and what you're seeing. Kind of paint the big picture for the state of Minnesota when it comes to ambulance services or, you know what I mean, emergency medical services. What are we looking at? Yeah, so the EMS system is currently experiencing a pretty big issue with workforce and funding. So across the state, we're seeing a lack of EMTs and paramedics coming into the job field. We're actually seeing them kind of exiting the field faster than we have anybody coming in. And on top of that, the funding, you know, the funding mechanism for EMS in the state isn't really sustainable moving forward. And it's causing further issues with trying to do, you know, to try to recruit and retain team members. What's going on? Let's start with the funding issue, because you and I had a chance to talk last week or a couple days ago about what we're going to talk about. And my question is, you described a situation that is kind of dire in terms of how you're paid, how reimbursement with Medicare and Medicaid goes, and what kind of a bind that puts you in. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So with EMS, we're basically a fee-for-service kind of uh, Groups. So when we go out and transport a patient from home to hospital, specifically to an emergency room, we get reimbursed a set amount of funding from government payers, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. Um, and that that return that we get for that transport is less than it than it costs to do the work or be prepared to do that work. So then we rely a lot on the private insurance, and we hope that we'll get reimbursed better from private insurance companies. Um, but as the 
population is getting older. We're seeing the baby boomer generation coming into uh, the Medicare, you know, Medicare age. Our payer mix is changing. And so we're seeing a lot more government payment uh, patients coming into the, into the mix. And with that comes less reimbursement. And so the model that was barely sustaining us before is now kind of failing us today. Yeah. And in that case, as you mentioned, there is a task force right now, a Minnesota EMS task force that has gone around the state and finding, particularly in some rural communities, it's pretty dire. Would you say, Mike? Yeah, that is true. So the legislator did name their own EMS task force that just started meeting. They've had two sessions so far. The first one was held at the Capitol a couple of weeks ago. And then just this last week, they met up in Mountain Iron, Minnesota. And that meeting in Mountain Iron in Minnesota was really interesting. We saw it, this huge turnout. The room was packed, standing room only. We had city officials, mayors. Uh, we had ambulance directors and public from all over that region coming in. And multiple ambulance services just kept coming up one after another saying the exact same type of messaging that they're not getting reimbursed properly. They're not able to uh, continue to sustain operations the way that they used to. And they're continuing to see a lack of workforce issues and the volunteerism, especially in EMS, is really struggling. And just service after service kept delivering that same message. So if they're in the hole and they're closing up shop, what does that mean to someone who's at home and having a heart attack? Well, so that's the the biggest issue that we're seeing right now. We've seen five ambulance services across the state close in the past four years. Um, And we've seen others start to talk about consolidating, combining with other service areas. Um, Others are just stating that they can't get staff in on a regular basis to be able to meet those calls. And so what that means is longer response times when you call 911. So if one ambulance service closes, usually the surrounding services will then step up and kind of cover that area, but they're covering it from the service area that they already have. So one, you know, one community now has to drive even further into those other communities to help cover those 911 calls. And Mike, is that having obviously an impact? I mean, it means that someone might die because they don't get service fast enough. Yeah, I mean, our goal is definitely to, you know, create timely and skilled response anywhere within the state. But you're absolutely right that as services close, we start talking about further transport times, further response times, and it does put the public at a higher risk. Yeah. 651-461-9226 if you have a question for Mike Juntman, who is the president-elect of the Minnesota Ambulance Association, talking about the issues of workforce staffing shortages and the funding complications, really kind of a tough situation. And we invite your calls as well. If you want to jump in with a question or a comment, maybe you live in a rural community in Minnesota, 651-461-9226. Let's talk a little bit about the workforce issue. You and I also spoke of that. You say people are leaving and you're not attracting new people. What's going on with that and what can be done to rectify the problem? Yeah, so the EMSRB, or Emergency Medical Services Regulatory Board for the state of Minnesota, started putting out some numbers a couple of years ago. And I don't have the 2022 into 2023 numbers yet, but we've been told that we'll see very similar trends there. But back in 21, we saw 4,474 certifications expire. 
while only 1,558 certifications were issued. So that meant that, you know, in that year alone, there was a deficit of almost 3,000 EMS providers. Um, And with that, that means there's less people, less skilled people out there who are willing to volunteer at their local ambulance services. The full-time services that are hiring staff um, have less to choose from. There's just less people coming in. And right now we have more jobs open and more opportunity than we do have people to fill them. And you mentioned to me as well that the pay rate is not particularly enticing. Correct. So as as an EMT, it can be anywhere from minimum wage to, you know, know, we tend to see the full-time services hiring around $15, $17 an hour to start with. Um, And I mean, even when I say minimum wage and up, that's usually only for the time they're in. A lot of the services, especially in rural Minnesota, are are relying on people to volunteer. So they might get a small stipend to be on call, or sometimes they're volunteering completely to be available for those 911 calls. But even for the full-timers, you know, the full-time services that are hiring, we're, we're competing with other, you know, jobs at supermarkets, gas stations, and not saying that those jobs aren't important, but when we're asking you to go out and see somebody who has been in a traumatic accident or, they're in cardiac arrest or taking care of somebody's child who isn't breathing. That's a really large responsibility to be doing at that pay level. Um, And so a lot of people would choose a less stressful role that's paying the same amount. Yeah, let's talk about that. I know we have to take a break here in a minute, but the question I have is how much training goes into being uh, an EMT and what are the different levels? I know that there's paramedic, first responders, kind of to make sense of that. Um, So first of all, the base person, not a paramedic, because kind of talk about what the progression is of training for someone in an emergency um, personnel field. Yeah. So there's generally three types of roles that we refer to in the ambulance service. There are a few others, specialty ones, but um, when we talk about 911 calls, usually we start with a first responder, which is somebody who is, you know, a lot of times on the police department, the fire department, um, and sometimes they're associated with the ambulance as well. Um, where they're going to come out and administer kind of some advanced first aid level, kind of get things rolling and help kind of protect where somebody's at in their condition. Uh, that class is um, kind of your introductory level. I think it's somewhere between 40 to 100 hours of training. Um, and that, that kind of gets you going. Then on the transporting ambulance services, the ones who are going to take you to the hospital, we have to have at least one EMT. Uh, the EMT level is going to be generally a seven-credit college course. So anywhere from 120 to 200 hours of training along with some clinical time added in. Um, and they're going to be learning uh, even more about how to stabilize somebody for the condition they're in, get them safely to the hospital. They'll learn a little bit about the modalities and, you know, the, the history about why these issues may be having, or that why the patient may be having these issues. And then from there, we move into the paramedic level, which is usually looked at as a two-year degree. You can do it with a certificate, but uh, it's generally a two-year degree program in which you learn a lot more about why things are happening, more about what the system, you know, the body, and how it, how it reacts to things and how, uh, what kind of interventions we can do and what changes those will make. And Mike, is the paramedic also paid that low amount, or is the pay that we're talking about kind of associated with the first uh, that EMT role? So the paramedic role is paid better than the EMT role. 
Um, it is more along the lines of, oh, you, you probably see a, a paramedic starting in the mid $20 an hour range. Um, which does sound a lot better than the EMT level. Um, but when you're comparing it to other healthcare providers with an equal amount of training, we are substantially lower than they are, in, uh, generally speaking. We are talking to Mike Junton, and he is the president-elect of the Minnesota Ambulance Association about the situation they are in as an industry. And we're going to break right now. It is the Sunday Take. Blois is out this week. I'm Susie Jones filling in this hour, 651-461-9226. If you would like to jump in and offer some information or ask a question, we're back right after this short break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. And welcome back. This is the Sunday Take. Boyce Olson usually sits in this chair on Sunday, but he's out this week. And filling in for him, we're talking about the situation facing Minnesota Ambulances. The Minnesota Ambulance Association president-elect Mike Juntonen is with us on our news line to talk about what they're up against in terms of getting enough people to work and then getting the funding they need. When they go on a call, they're reimbursed oftentimes by Medicare or Medicaid, and sometimes those payments, Mike, don't come in on time. They're not as Kind of you set that stage for us at the beginning where there's a set amount and you're kind of losing money on every call. Mike? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, So. Yeah, go ahead. No. Yeah. So right now we see about 62% of the calls across the state of Minnesota are reimbursed by Medicare and Medicaid. Um, And then we have a chunk above that that will be self-pay or uninsured. Um, and then it really leaves us with anywhere from, I mean, some services we're reporting as numbers as small as 10% of their volume. It's actually private insurance. But statewide, we see it anywhere from 10 up to about 30, 35% of the patients we see are, are private um, commercial insurance payers. Um, but but when we're talking about the Medicare, Medicaid, you know, they're re- reimbursing 
on a model that is truly outdated. Um, you know, the Center of Medicaid, uh, or sorry, Medicaid or Medicare, sorry, Medicare Services, they really view us, uh, view EMS as a transportation service. Mm. That's how it started back in the 70s. That it was really based on a model of just going, picking somebody up, and transporting, and providing some basic uh, interventions. But today, we're carrying state-of-the-art equipment. We're essentially mobile emergency rooms, and you know, there's so much more capability, so much more equipment to help provide that evidence-based medicine right at the patient's home and, and try to make a difference in their outcomes that there's a there's a significant cost to that that we're just not getting reimbursed for. Let's talk about what you have plans to do in the 2024 Minnesota legislative session. What's the game plan for getting help? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we talked a little bit about that EMS legislative task force that started, and they've met a couple of times. Um, prior to that, uh, we we kind of formed our own task force across the state um, as the EMS industry. So we have this group called the Minnesota EMS Delivery and Sustainability Task Force, which is kind of a mouthful, so we abbreviated it to the MEDS Task Force. Um, with that, we've got a, a group of stakeholders from across the state. There's 19 of us in total that represent small cities, counties, physicians, EMS providers of various levels, and so on, to try to get together to say, what do we do to fix this problem? Um, and so with that, um, we're still finalizing our, our, our current ask. So I, I don't have great detail to, to give yet quite today, because um, we do want that group to have kind of unanimous support for whatever we move forward. But essentially what we're looking at is coming forward with a funding request for this next legislative year to say this is kind of the money that we need to reinvigorate EMS and stop the hemorrhaging that we're seeing. Can, you know, try to prevent any further ambulance services from closing, especially if it's because of financial issues. Do what we can to, to get people into the workforce and see this as a career field uh, that's worth going into. And then from there, throughout next year, we hope to really then look at what kind of long-term sustainable things can we put in place to prevent this from happening again, because we don't want to just be coming back to the state saying we need money. Uh, we want to have things that will help reimburse us at a better rate and make things you know, more sustainable for the long term. Do you anticipate having success? I know, of course, we just covered the budget forecast not too long ago, finding that the surplus was lower than expected and that even looking at a possible deficit going forward i mean do you ho- do you hope that you'll be well received at the capitol given the current financial uh, landscape so that is the kind of the big question so right now we've been getting a, a good amount of support from various legislators especially those who are represented on this ems legislative task force um, to at least say that they want to hear the issues get a better understanding of what's happening and do what they can to help you know, provide change. Now, what kind of dollar figure may come with that is yet to be determined. Um, but, you know, in the grand scheme of a lot of other asks throughout the state, we we most likely will be a smaller one, although we are asking for, a, you know, we we'll probably will be asking for a significant amount uh, as far as EMS is concerned. But um, I, I do feel that there's some promise out there that we will see something. Okay. And I guess you meet again or that one legislative meeting again January 9th at the Government Center in Elbow Lake because that's 
what it sounds like the rural community is having it a little harder than the urban areas. I would agree that the bigger you know, the the biggest issue out there is the rural you know, the sustainability of rural EMS services. Um, those are the ones where we're seeing you know threatening to close their doors um, and and really saying that they they don't have what they need to continue moving forward. The urban areas, you know, the large, you know, which is usually comprised more of uh, some of the private nonprofits, you know, the healthcare systems that own ambulances, um, they are struggling to stay afloat as well, and they're seeing staffing issues. Um, but it's not quite to the level that we're seeing in rural Minnesota, where you know any service that closes its doors means longer response times to yeah. those patients. And so we, we really want to do what we can to first kind of focus there and then see what we can do to support the, the system as a whole after that. Great. Well, thank you for coming on, Mike. I really appreciate your time. And we'll continue to follow this throughout the legislative session in 2024. No, thank you, Susie. Appreciate the time. Mike Jutton and the president-elect of the Minnesota Ambulance Association with us on News Talk 830 WCCO. Coming up on the second half of the program, former Governor Arnie Carlson will join us. We'll tell you why after this. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is Sunday Take, the Sunday Take with Boyce Olson. Boyce is off today. I am Susie Jones filling in, and I'm happy to have you with us, and I'm so happy to bring on the air with us former Governor Arnie Carlson to talk about a very special event coming up this next week about water. Governor Carlson, thanks for coming on with us. Delighted. Thank you very much. May I call you Governor or Arnie? You can call me whatever you want. I've been called a lot worse, believe me. Just don't call me late for dinner. Hey. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Uh, yes. This is a, a forum you're holding this week on water. And I yes. know this is passion, This is a passion of yours. And I think, what do people not really know about water? I mean, we think, oh, it's Minnesota, 10,000 lakes. We're, we're set. We don't need to worry about water. But we do. We absolutely do. Uh, I, I thought your introduction was excellent. I mean that because you're right. We take water for granted, and that's something we can no longer do. The United Nations has already told us that half the world's population, 50% of the world, now is in a, a serious condition of not being able to get access to healthy, clean water. 50%. And here in Minnesota, we have had warning after warning after warning, and our state government has completely and totally ignored those warnings. So, in 2012, yeah. for instance, the University of Minnesota notified the state of Minnesota in, in, in a study that they had to reduce water consumption by 35% in order to keep pace. In other words, demand is exceeding supply. And the state did absolutely nothing. So in the meantime, you are holding this forum with a number of different people. And who are you having on with us? And can the general public watch this forum? 
that's a good question. Uh, I think so, because it's on love, Zoom. We would love to have them, but I don't have the data do. as to how they can get in. You do? Then I do. give it to them. Okay, I will. Then give it to them. We, well, <laughs> we'd be delighted. No, we, we need to get everybody involved for two reasons. One is government belongs to us. But increasingly, government is working for special interests in order to get campaign contributions. It's as simple as that. And it's hurting us immeasurably. It's hurting us on the national scene, and it's hurting us in the state of Minnesota. Well, special so, interest. Yes, yeah, everybody's well, got to participate. But Arnie, at the same time, when you talk about that, and we're talking about water, but would you not say that special interest runs way more than we even know in government in terms of what gets done and what doesn't get done? Yes, but it's also going to kill us. Well, and I mean physically kill us. Yeah, right. But I mean, what? Yeah. What's ahead, what's the solution? I mean, you know, I mean, individuals can take personal responsibility and take showers that are not at twenty minutes. And does any of that sort of work toward? Well, the- I, I think the solution starts with how we participate in our government. First of all, what's been lacking over the last twenty years, frankly, has been media oversight. We need it badly. The investigatory teams that we used to see on TV have disappeared. The investigatory work done by newspapers has disappeared. And the result is when the cat's away, the mice are going to play. And believe me, they are playing. Um, let me give you an example. In the, 19, uh, in the 2020 election cycle, legislators accumulated $26.5 million for their campaigns from the caucuses. These are, this is caucus fundraising. The only thing a caucus has to sell or that's attractive is public policy. And we were warned by the Humphrey Institute at the University of Minnesota that this was taking place. And to this date, there hasn't been a single review, a single hearing. I haven't even seen a single editorial. Um, but this is corruption. And you know what, though? I think I'm going to push back only in that I think that Good, you, please, no, please that, that you are talking about, you know, pub, uh, special interest groups and the government and people and the media and investigative reporters. I also think there's an element of a dumbing down of society and that even in the midst of flat out information, data support, most people are watching Dancing with the Stars and don't care about it. Well, that may well be. I'm just uh, saying, you know, it's a complicated well, problem in that a lot of people are tuned out. They're just tired of they don't want to be bothered by facts. Yeah, but we have to also remember that we elect these officials and these officials increasingly no longer represent the public. They represent the special interests. And that's what's going to kill us. Let in- me give you an example. I got a, I got an email from one state senator. And he said that since 2010, the Environment Committee has not heard a single bill that will reform mining or protect our water. Now, that's 13 years without, such, without a hearing. That's incredible. So let me ask you this. It's the power of, of, in this particular case, it's the power of the mining industry. Why is the state, for instance, doing business with Glencore? Glencore owns Polymet. And they want to build a massive mine right adjacent to the BWCA and Lake Superior. 
That company in May of 2022 was convicted of criminal conduct. The biggest offense was the bribery of public officials. And yet the state of Minnesota is doing business with them. Why? The governor won't answer the question. The attorney general won't answer the question. And legislators will not answer the question. I would plead with the media, please at least ask the question, why are we doing business with a corrupt company that could very well destroy Lake Superior? And if Lake Superior goes, we're through. We have another sulfite mine uh, that sits right on the Mississippi River watershed. And the Mississippi River is where we in the metropolitan area get our water. Former Governor Arnie Carlson is on our newsline. He has a forum coming up this week on Zoom where he has invited people to come together to talk about the situation facing water in Minnesota. Now, you're talking about water and investigative reporting and and the mines. Is that going to be the nature of the forum? Do you believe that what you talk about? Yes, yes. But will you just be will you just be kind of attacking government or will you be talking about solutions? You know, kind of. Oh, I'll I'll be happy to discuss solutions. But I I think we first have to say you phrased it attacking government. I I take exception to that. It's making government respond to the will to the will of the people. National polls show consistently that 85 percent of Americans do not trust their government. Eighty five percent. That's incredibly dangerous in a democratic society. The real question we ask, have to ask ourselves is, why don't we trust government? And part of the reason is that they're more interested in special interest money for their campaigns than they are in good public policy. It's as simple as that. And that's precisely what we're going to discuss on Wednesday. Whether or not we as citizens can take our government back and have government work for us. Yeah, but I do think that's... Why can't we get clean water in Minnesota? But to the point... You know, and you mentioned this, that Citizens United, I don't, can't remember when Citizens United was passed, allowing... Uh, 2010, 2010. 2010. And some people believe that was the the turning point in special Absolutely. interest. Absolutely. I agree. I fully agree. And that the, the cat is out of the bag. The horse is out of the barn. How do you put yes. the toothpaste back into the tube well some states like colorado new jersey connecticut have taken some action the real question is why didn't the state of minnesota for instance in connecticut what they instituted which i thought was very very good uh was a form of a public funding of campaigns and it works well they really make public funding a, a a serious incentive so that people running for public office will opt for public funding and therefore, they don't have to be holding uh, to special interests. Do you believe Colorado and New Jersey passed laws that said all campaign contributions have to be tracked to their source and not laundered through the system that we permit here in Minnesota? We need to focus on reforms. And until those reforms come into place, uh, we're advocating a moratorium on all permits of mining until we get our laws updated. And, and until we get some cleanliness back in our government. Do you think it's bipartisan? Do you think one party Absolutely. is... Absolutely. Both parties are up to their eyeballs in it. Both parties. And that's why there's been such silence. 
We normally depend on one party to clean up the corruption of another. But in this case, the corruption involves the, 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 the legislature, Republican and Democrat. Yeah, but if people are making money, Arnie, and they're getting their campaign coffers filled, it's very, you know, I asked this to Senator Klobuchar once. We were talking about her trying to get pharmaceutical prices down. I said, how are you going to get pharmaceutical prices down? Because you're all in bed with the pharmaceuticals. They're all giving you $18 million for your campaign. And so you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. So it seems like a really tricky situation to unravel. It's not tricky if we decide to be honest. That's the fundamental thing. We've lost our sense of sense of values in America. It's killing us. We have made money king. It dominates everything. It's not just in business, but it's in academics. It's in higher education. It's in government. It has to stop. Yeah, but if people are greedy and they don't want to give their money up. I mean, I'm just being the devil's advocate. No, you can be the devil's advocate. But then under your philosophy, we should all surrender and die. I know. That's bad. We that's gotta, gonna happen. I know. Gonna I know. My producer, we, Charlie, just nodded no at me. Time is no longer on our side. Time Here's is Here's no. where we're at. Okay. Here's where we're at. Okay. If we continue on the current path, I would say within five years, a large bulk of Minnesota will not be able to drink, drink, drink water. It's as simple as that. Wow. I mean, just think of the Tamarack mine. It's going to sit on top of, a wa- of the Mississippi River watershed. And it's going to engage in sulfite mining, which, which, which means you release sulfuric acid and toxic chemicals into the water, and that poisons the water for centuries. We got warnings way back. Walter Mondale issued a powerful, powerful statement saying never, never has sulfite mining not caused irreparable harm. Never. There hasn't been one single example where, where it hasn't. Former Governor Arnie and Carlson. We can continue to put money over our health. I know. I have to take a break for commercials, but then we'll right come ahead. back and wrap it up. Uh, okay. Former Governor Arnie Carlson on our news line. We are getting some tr- some text, but we'll see if we have time. We're going to be back right after this. And we are back for the last segment of the show. It is the Sunday take. Normally, Blois Olson sits in this chair, but today he's off, so I am. Filling in, as it were, on this Sunday morning ahead of the holiday. And once again, I will reintroduce our guest, former Governor Arnie Carlson, talking about a lot of things, including water and protecting water and what's happening at the state level. And I don't mean, Arnie, to be, mm, what's the word? Uh, bossy boss or doomsdayer. No, you're doing a splendid job. This is a controversial area, and I'm, I'm delighted by that. I think I, I think the tougher the questions are, the better we are. I, I've asked uh, legislators and others if they would like to debate me and debate my colleagues. Uh, we'll be happy to do so in a good public open forum. Yeah. We welcome a debate with any legislative leader, Democrat or Republican. Welcome a debate with the governor. Bring it out in the open. The problem has been there's too much secrecy. Did you know, for instance, that one caucus, the, the Democratic caucus in the Senate, will not permit a bill going to the floor unless every single member in the caucus agrees with it? That means one person has complete veto power hmm. over everything, including our clean water, because one member of the caucus is very pro-mining. Hmm. 
so he has so where's our democracy how can legislators stand before their own district and say i represent you i care about you when in fact they give their votes away to the caucus Hmm. and then the caucus gives them away to special interest groups who is representing us so the question is as we're listening to you and we're thinking okay maybe he's on to something because as i said my first my first reaction is people are lazy they're busy it's christmas they don't want to be bothered but if they do hear and their ears perk up joe blow public meet you know somebody on the street from edina or eden prairie or ham lake and they're listening and they say well is that true geez what do i do what can i do about it is it pressuring your legislators to get off the dime and take a stand against this money that's coming well, in to be perfectly frank i think this is a good time to throw the rascals out yes Let's once and all prove who owns government. Government is not owned by the mining industry. It's not owned by foreign conglomerates. It's not owned by money. It's owned by we the people. And frankly, every single legislator is complicit in this, either either directly or indirectly. Either either they're like Schultz uh, on Hogan's Heroes, where they see nothing and know nothing, or they're actively involved. But we need people with courage to stand up and say, yes, we're going to do something about it. In a few weeks, you're going to find a a candidate is going to announce he's running for the third district Congress and he's going to run on this issue. And believe me, he'll get traction. So things are starting to change, but we've got to take charge of our government. That government works for us and nobody else. All right. We're going to leave it there. We're out of time, but you have been so kind to, to do this. And uh, we will. Put... I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, you... I thank you so much. Well, I'm glad we had a nice chat. Good to talk to you and happy holidays Wonderful. to you and your family. Same to you. Thank okay. you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.